Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. And today's topic is all about the performer, the individuals who make an audible contribution and how they can claim their royalties. Beautiful. So let's role play. If you were a performer, heard your song played at the local pub, and what should you do from there? So the first thing you need to do is join a, a collection society and in the UK that is PPL. So you need to contact PPL. You've got two options. One is that you contact PPL directly, log into their website and select an option to uh, create a membership as a performer. You can then decide whether you want to mandate them to collect for you worldwide or just in the UK. But that's a conversation we can uh, go into in more detail later. You have to provide various information to complete the membership process. It's relatively short and it's quite straightforward. There's some ID required, address details and payment details, but it's, it's not a lengthy process. They will process your membership application and send you a membership account number. You can then log into your account and start to claim on any recordings on which you've made an audible contribution. So you have to access the PPL database to do that. So would that your recording just magically be there or is that something that you need to put there? How would you go about that? If you don't um, own the recording. If you're not the record label, you don't own the record label. Do you have anything to do or just claim it? It's actually, it's the responsibility of the rights holder to ensure that recording is registered with the collection society, which is usually the record label. And they should know to register that recording, but unfortunately they don't always do that. The easiest way to trace if your recording is registered on PPL is if you have what's known as the ISRC code, ISRC. It's the International Standard Recording Code. It's a unique 12-digit number that will identify every single recording in the database. If you don't know the ISRC number, you can search by the recording artist's name or the title. There's various different options that you can use the search to do so. And then once you've identified your recording or recordings, you can then go ahead and make your claim. Another way to think about the ISRC, the fingerprint for a sound recording. Sound recording has a unique identifier associated with it that you can always identify. So no two sound recordings will have the same ISRC code. The thing that you should do as a performer is you should write down every time you hear yourself performed in public. Keep a record to look at when you get a statement of your royalties to make sure you were paid for it because it's not the way it works. You don't submit a set list and then they pay you for that. It goes into a pot because it's under a blanket license. So the pub that you were talking about pays a fee per year to PPL and PPL divvies it up based on algorithms 
you know, the more you get played, the bigger piece of the pie you're going to get. The pub is not going to submit that set list if they're playing the radio or a CD or if they make up their own mixtape. PPL's never going to know what's played in that pub. So if you know, you keep the record. And then if you feel like your royalties are too low, go to your account rep at PPL and say, I think I wasn't paid for this. I want more recognition, please. I want you to understand I am getting played. Yeah, you know, one would think that these surveys, collecting data is going to, it's there, but it's not. So as Stacey mentioned, it's a good idea to keep a record of when your songs were played and where, and to make sure that you were getting paid for them. Because sometimes maybe, you know, it, you were not. And PPL and the CMOs will honor that within their allocation. Everyone's working on and everyone's calling it a black box that will feed in accurate data of time and date and ISRC title, artist, so they will know what is played and when. But until we're there, you're in the best place to keep records. It's interesting that they're calling it a black box. That's, yeah. a, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will get there, but I don't know. Is it going to take 10 years or two years or never? So after you've gone so far and, and claimed um, your share of performance income, do you need to do anything further after that or just um, sit back and wait for you to get paid out? Yes, you do need to continuously check and monitor your claims because there are obviously various different mixes and versions of a recording that can appear on PPL. So just because you claimed on the radio edit, for example, you might not be claimed on the extended mix, the remix. So don't just claim the one recording and then sit back. So what you have to do, first of all, is ensure that you claim correctly and you claim yourself in the correct role. There are various different roles that you can claim yourself as. So contracted featured artist or CFA for short, other featured artist or OFA for short, and non-featured artist, NFA for short. They're the three roles, predominant roles uh, that we recognize that you can claim with PPL. There, there are others, but I'm just going to focus on those three for, for now. If you are um, Robbie Williams, then you would be known as the contracted featured artist. You are the artist that appears in the title copy of that recording. If Robbie Williams featured with Britney Spears, then Britney Spears would be the other featured artist. The payments are prioritised according to the roles. So the main artist gets the higher percentage, the other featured artist reduced share and the non-featured artist, which is generally the session musicians who won't appear in the artist's name, will get a, a lower percentage as well, but, but should still obviously claim their share. Claim your role correctly and you also have to ensure that you claim for every role that you made on that recording as well. Something you should also do is if you're assigned to a label um, and they're doing compilations for it, they're doing syncs and soundtrack albums, you must use every release, you must claim it. Um, every incarnation on every other release you're entitled to. So go in, search your name, search your number, and anything that you should be on, that you're not on, claim it. There's a little button that says claim. And you just click the button to make sure you're getting paid for every single version. 
Yeah, every single version will have a different ISRC associated yes. with it. So the Although extended versions, the remixes, cover versions although if you weren't performing on that cover version it's not in your interest but every single right. version that you that your voice or that you performed on you can hear an audible contribution you need to make sure that you are claiming those versions right or if you were sampled and you're on an entirely new track but they're using your recording and your performance you're entitled to neighboring rights in that and the interesting thing that came up um, was the band, like, um, you know, any DJ band, like Disclosure, contracted feature artist, they have a different vocalist for every version. So the question is, what does the contract say to determine the role? And if it's not a royalty-bearing artist signed to the label for that role, if it's just come in, get a session fee for singing, even though your vocal is forefront, you're still only a non-featured artist. So it's always going to be the contract that determines your role, not you know how prominent your voice is or whether you have a guitar solo. That's very interesting. So contractually, mm -hmm. it is determining who is considered a featured and non-featured performer mm -hmm. on every single sound recording. Yeah, and the definition of featured um, varies. In the States, it's not as clear cut as it is in the rest of the world. And take the time to prioritize your claims and look at them individually. For the artists that I manage, I make them do it themselves initially. I make them understand the system and the options and the difficulties because when they do hire someone to do it, I want them to know what they're asking of that person. I want them to understand how much work goes into it. And I want them to be able to chase up in a very kind and specific way. So if you know that you've been, um, your song where you're the artist has been on now 45, 46, 47, then you want to say to the rep, I have been on 45, 46 and 47, and it must mean that I am elsewhere as well, please can you check? Or if you're a session drummer and you've been on um, a big hit for somebody else, it's going to be harder for you as a drummer to figure out all the different places it was, but you can say to your rep, I did this, here are the dates and times of recording, please can you keep trolling for every other use of it. My job is to go and be a drummer again, your job is to do the admin on this, I love us being a team. A lot of information, there is plenty more on the IFR website at ifr.co.uk, go and have a look, and then become a member, because for whatever you see, just from looking, there is a hundred times more in the member section. Thanks for stopping by.